All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us here for another episode of Dropping the Gloves. We we love that you're here. Tim's here finally. Tim, how's it going? Why finally? Well, we should have done this earlier this morning, but you're out gallivanting, getting hit by cars. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. We're finally getting it done this afternoon. It's good to see you. How are you doing? Well, the Bruins won last night, so how bad could I be? They're doing pretty well. And this isn't even on the agenda. I will say this, just completely off script. Out of all the NHL teams right now, they are the biggest shock to me. From where, Them and the Chicago Blackhawks, I think, are the two biggest surprises right now in the NHL. I'm just like, wow, these guys are pretty good. Vegas, maybe, but that's Pacific Division. Honestly, I say it every show, I feel like. It's like anybody could take hold of that division if they have a decent week or two. But other than other than I say Chicago, who is really surprising, friend of the show, by the way, Al Stalock. We we were talking about him earlier this morning. He's having a terrific season so far. What is he three and zero? He's got a really great goals against average. His save percentage is through the roof. He's just going over like gangbusters in the locker room. Which I knew that Al Stalock is. He is a gem, an absolute. If you have a chance in your life, for all the listeners out here. To have dinner with a, with a table full of NHL players, that'd be a good podcast. Who would you like to have dinner with in the NHL? Al Stalock is at my table. Even if it's a table for four, Al Stalock is at my table. That guy is unbelievable. Like he, He's fantastic. I got a really good opportunity to meet him in San Jose, and I skated with him in the summers all the time because we have the same agent. Top-notch, honestly. And for a goalie, it's, it's tough. That's very rarefied air when you're a normal, cool, laid-back guy and you're a goaltender. Because usually goaltenders are just nice, but they're a little off. You know what I mean? All of them. Every single one of them. They're, they're very nice, but just there's something, something strange. It takes a special kind of person to strap on the pads and just get pucks fired at you. It does. It really, really does. So Al is just having a great year. And he is... My gosh, is he the biggest reason the Hawks are where they're at right now? 
You think he's he's got to be up there? He's got a cool story, you know, coming back from um, the injury of not injury but health issues last yeah. year, heart issues, yeah, related to COVID and getting COVID last year, or the year before, and coming back. Not an easy feat for a goalie, let alone. I think he's thirty six. Like he's up there. Um, he's three and one of the season, but he's got three wins in a row now. He's been re- playing really well, and the Blackhawks have won four in a row. So that's totally a surprise that after the start they had and the Seth Jones and the Kane, all the stuff that they're they're looking solid. But are they doing themselves any favors? Because they're not going to compete for anything, and they're picking themselves out of the Bedard sweepstakes. So what? How good is it really? It's six games into the season. I, I this does not last by any stretch. They will start to lose, and the losses will pile up. But it's a nice story. It's a it's a good. It's a good start to this season, especially with all the drama in the offseason with the Patrick Kane, the Jonathan Taves. What are we going to do? Are we going to trade these guys? And then the full-blown rebuild, DeBrinket being gone, Strom being gone, Kirby Doc being gone, not offering Kublik any money. All of that, the Seth Jones, just bad contract, this and that. It's a good thing to just build on, especially for the young guys that are in the – he did a great um, piece. I think it was the – Al gave a great interview. He just said, it's nice in the locker room. We have these young guys, and they're getting their feet wet in the NHL, and they have a chance to have some success. It stinks when you have these young guys, and their introduction to the NHL is just loss, 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 negative, negative. It ruins a player. And so it's it's a good start to the season for these guys. It will stop. They will start to lose some games. But, hey, ride it while you can. Ride. It's six games in. They're in third place in the Central. They've won, what, three in a row? They won four in a row. So good for the Hawks. Good for Al Stalock. Hopefully he can get a couple more wins. Richardson just said he's going to start the games Tuesday and Thursday this week. I think they played Carolina and somebody else. But, yeah, Columbus. Good for Chicago. But, yeah, Boston Bruins, another great story. They won again last night. Is this – gosh, they beat Dallas 3-1. to one. Are they a scary Stanley Cup contender when you get Marshawn back, when you get Grizzlick back? Is that what this team is? Uh, see, I'm not as surprised as you are by this start. I think they're outseeding probably everyone's expectation. I don't think people think they're this good. I think it was more of a, you know, hopefully they tread water, maybe be above 500 until they get McAvoy back, until they get Marshawn back. Grizzlick also missed part of the season. You got Carlo missing a handful of games. And what are they, 6-1? Six 6-1, and one? Six and like one, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw this coming. So, yeah, they have to be a contender. And they're missing arguably two out of their three best players, two out of their four. So, yeah, they're looking really good right now. And Allmark has been the story between the pipes, not Swayman, not friend of the show. Allmark has looked really good. Swayman looked a little shaky. Again, only a handful of starts each. But I think all of those wins, or four or five of them, have been Allmark. I said Grizzly, I meant McAvoy. But, I, yeah, I think it's their two best players have been out. So, ah, man. I didn't know how Krejci was going to fit back into the equation. It's it's difficult for anybody to step away from the game for a year. Mind you, he didn't step away from hockey, but to go to a vastly, you know, lesser talent pool where was he in Czech Republic playing in his hometown team? Yeah. And then to just step right back into the NHL and just excel. I didn't think he had any chance of succeeding, especially at his advanced age. What is he, 37, 36? He's, he's playing great. He's playing fantastic. Pasternak's playing great. If they can get Marshawn back, what do you do? Do you keep Krejci with Pasternak and Taylor Hall and put Marshawn with Bergeron and DeBrusque? Yeah, Man. that exactly. Yep. Then you bump Zaka down with Coyle and Smith. And that puts Trent Frederick down there with Nozick and either Felino or A.J. Greer. It's not a bad lineup. That's really a great isn't. lineup, yeah. 
And then Lindholm's playing fantastic. So, you know, yeah, the Bruins could be legit. I'll give it to them. I thought they were going to regress this year. I thought they were done. And then don't look now. They're in first place, and they're looking pretty good. What? And a more important question, what does this do for that conference? Because coming into this season, I thought, okay, the Bruins are going to fall off. It's going to be Florida and Tampa Bay's. Toronto's going to be there. All of a sudden, Toronto's in sixth, Tampa Bay's in seventh, and it goes Boston, Florida, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit. And then you get to Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Montreal. Well, th- this could sneakily be, not so quietly be, the best division in hockey, and the two best teams arguably haven't even started playing hockey yet to their potential, Toronto and Tampa Bay. Are we going to see a major upset come the trade deadline when Tampa Bay's out of a playoff spot, Toronto's scratching for a playoff spot, and feisty old Ottawa and Buffalo are still kicking around? Is it, Or is this just early season good feelings, the old Buffalo Sabres, what we've seen the last five years? Uh, I think it will regress back to the mean. And, and I know we're talking about small sample size. And a lot of this is semantics because there are like nine teams tied with eight points. And then the tiebreakers just go based on, you know, games played and goals scored and all that. But technically, as it stands right now, Toronto, New York Rangers, Tampa, Washington, all out of the playoffs. Which is just... Yeah. which is Washington's again, not a surprise. Washington's not, as not mo- a surprise. Uh, a playoff team last year, a playoff team the last decade. Like it's, it, I, I think it, this will regress back to something that we're more used to seeing, but it does stri- speak to the strength of this conference and this division specifically for sure. Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, which one is in the mix three months from now? Um, uh, Ottawa, I would say in that order, probably. You, you think, see, I, I give the edge to Buffalo. I really do. I think their defense is solid. I love Craig Anderson, and I, I I like their team. Detroit, potentially, I think Ottawa is the one that falls off, but I think they're all really good teams. They're not great, but they're good teams. I think they're right there with, you know, the Boston Bruins of the world. Maybe not Florida. I think Florida is head and shoulders above this division. Same with Toronto. Toronto hasn't shown it yet, but hey, it's early. What did I say? Two, three weeks into the season, we'll get a we'll get a recap. We'll gauge. Where everyone is. What are we, like a week and a half in, two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. All right. Ne- this time next week, we'll, we'll do a show, and then we'll pick our playoff prediction. I, I think the teams that will be in there will be fairly close to the teams that finish here at the end of the season. You know, the rust has been shaken off. It should be. The real teams should show up. Like, Tampa worries me quite a bit. The fact that they haven't found their mojo, the fact that they have a negative goals against average, dash three, they – they are definitely regressing this season. They have their whole team. No one's hurt. They're just not playing good hockey. So they're, they're the one that I think is in big trouble this year. Yeah, I was going to ask that next. They've all played seven games. Toronto's four and three. Rangers three, two and two. Tampa's three and four. Uh, of those three teams, who concerns you the most? Is it Tampa? Tampa. They Why? look lethargic. They look slow. They don't like Toronto has shown flashes of being a really good hockey team. Mitch Marner is struggling. I don't see Mitch Marner struggling for that long. Like I just think Tampa doesn't look like the team that they were two years ago. Last year, they looked good. Obviously, they made the Stanley Cup Finals, but you could tell they weren't the same team that won two Cups in a row. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it's Tampa. I, I it's think funny. They, well, they're still producing. Like, Kucherov's got 10 points. Damkos has nine. They have 11 power play points between the two of them. Like, Hedman's got five points. Point has six. Ergachev's got five. These guys are doing. They're producing. 
And they're still not winning games, which is a little head-scratching. Vasilevsky's been solid, not maybe Vasilevsky level, but 284, 914. But they're still not winning games, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, McDonough was a big part of that back end. You know, people, people, he's a very silent guy. He did a lot for this team. He shored up the top four. All of a sudden, you have to push Chernak into that position. Is Chernak a, a number two guy? I don't think so. Then you got Sergachev and some dude named Nicholas Perbix. No idea who this kid is. Maybe a rookie. Their, their defense isn't what it used to be. And then their depth. You know, Nick Paul was brought in, hopefully, to put some points on the board. Same with uh, what's his face? The guy from Toronto, Hagel. He's not having that strong of a season. So the depth isn't there. The high-end guys are fantastic. Like you said, Stamkos, Kucherov, Nemestikov isn't – I don't know. I, I just don't see it from Tampa Bay this year. I really don't. Kalorn, obviously, they're missing him in a big way. So I don't know, man. Fast forward two months from now, I think Tampa Bay's on the outside looking in. I, I think – yeah, they had, they, had their, they had their Stanley Cups. They're not, they're not the best team in the state anymore. Florida's, Florida's surpassed them. What about in a playoff series, though? Don't you? Wouldn't oh. you still take Tampa? Oh, I'm taking Tampa if they make the playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I think in an 82 game season, I, I I don't know. Like you said, it's early. They played seven games or three and four. Anything can happen. I don't know. But just from you know the sniff test, the eye test, they don't look great. They don't look compared to Toronto. Toronto shows flashes. They're when they get going, they're the best team in the NHL in my opinion. Toronto's fantastic, but it just. Tampa hasn't shown me much so far. It's early. You know who has shown me? You mentioned the New York Rangers. The best game so far in the NHL to date. It's early. Was played yesterday. New York Rangers, Colorado Avalanche. A a fantastic game. Played in Madison Square Garden. I knew you were watching the Bruins game. I was keeping an eye on that, but I was locked in on this game. It was a phenomenal game. 2-2, shootout winner, former goalie, Gorgiev. Gets the W for the Colorado Avalanche. It was it was star power everywhere. It was up and down the ice. Shots from all angles. Great A scoring chances. Beautiful goals being scored by both teams. One mistake by Shesterkin gives Colorado a goal. But other than that one mistake, it was a beautifully played game. It was, it was so good. Both goalies were standing on their head. I'm just sitting there watching this game. I'm like, gosh, my whole premise of you don't need a star goalie to win a Stanley Cup. I still believe in that, but what a luxury these two teams have. Colorado goes from Darcy Kemper, good goalie, wasn't the best goalie in the playoffs, wasn't the best goalie in the NHL last year, still gets him a Stanley Cup. They go from him, they get this Gorgiev backup from New York that New York didn't really mesh well there. He had some issues with, uh, what's his face, D'Angelo. They, they need to trade him. They pick up this guy. He's a fantastic goaltender. He played lights out. He outplayed Igor Shosturkin last night. It was... It was amazing that the saves that these guys were making. Well, Shesterkin played pretty good. Oh, he made a save on Ranton and on Breakaway. It was incredible. Trubo bobbles the puck. Uh, Ranton has a breakaway from the red line. Shesterkin aggressive, dives across. Oh, absolutely beautiful, beautiful save. But if these two teams make the Stanley Cup final, the NHL, you, you couldn't ask for a better better matchup. The star power, you got Fox and McCarr, Panarin, McKinnon. The tertiary parts, you got Zabinajad, Kreider, Barclay Gaudreau, the young guys, Lafreniere and Kako for the Rangers, and everybody knows who's on the Avalanche. Oh, I would love it. I, I'm sad you didn't watch it. You're watching those stupid Bruins. Hey, about the Bruins. Clifton got in a fight with Miller. Jack Edwards' call on that was so, 
the worst call I've ever heard in my life. Do you just want to apologize for all Bruins fans? If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it right now. It's embarrassing. You know what? I was th- <laughs> I've was i been maybe paying more attention to Jack Edwards, especially now since having ESPN Network and watching other games and seeing how other announcers call games compared to Jack Edwards. And it is pretty egregious, the, the home. Like, even things like... Like two players will bump into each other, and Taylor Hall falls down, and he'll just talk about. He'll make a little comment of like Hall goes down, but there's no call. Just like the way he fr- he frames it, you know, like in little ways, it's yeah. just it's amazing. Or like yeah, and just uh, it is it is something. So yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for that. Well, no, yeah, without a doubt, the guy's a huge homer, but I I enjoy it. Like if if I, what would you rather have? Your announcer just call it straight down the middle, give no favor to anybody, or have a guy like Jack Edwards, who is just always siding with the Bruins. You, because you're listening to the game if you're listening to him usually, or you're I don't know, but you want a bigger personality calling the game because I think he does radio as well. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean it's definitely entertaining, and he's good at it. It's just uh, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. He annoys the hell out of the players, especially the fighters. Like, if you get in a fight with a Boston Bruins player, it's just you lose the fight regardless of if you win. Like, when I knocked out Sean Thornton, I lost the fight. Well, like, Clifton, just the way he framed it. You know, he Clif- just. Yeah, Clifton one punched him. He did. It was a good fight. He looked good. He got him with the uppercut and he wasn't ready for it. You, you would have thought it was Muhammad Ali just. Connor Clifton! Him. Yeah. Rips him. The guy's got some passion. He's got some passion. You know who else has passion for the game? The guy who just broke the Iron Man streak in the NHL. Phil the Thrill Kessel, friend of the show. Well, uh, not friend of the show. So unfortunate. Someday. One day, Phil. One day. He doesn't. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't do interviews. That that's where I'm going to hang my hat on. He doesn't do interviews. But he passed Keith Yandel officially. Scored a goal in his 991st game. Good for him. Big question. Phil the Thrill. First ballot Hall of Famer? Hall of Famer at all? I would say yes. Yes, Hall of Famer. I don't know about first ballot. I'd have to think more about that. But I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, Since he entered the league in 2007, he's eighth in goals in the entire league. I think he's one or two goals behind John Tavares during that stretch. Um He's got 400 goals. He scored his 400 last night. 959 points in about 1,200 games. Two-time Olympic. One time he was, I don't know if it was Team USA the whole tournament. He was the player of the, of the tournament, I think. Um, three-time All-Star. Two-time Cup winner with Pittsburgh. He's been very good for a long time. And we talked about this recently, how he never had a 40-goal season, which was surprising. But it's a consistency. He was scoring 25-35 every single year, in and out, no matter who, what team he was on or who he was playing with. There was consistency. And I was reading a little bit of an article on, um, I think it was on Sportsnet, and it was really good. Christina Rutherford wrote it, and, and she interviewed a few of the guys that played with them, particularly Blake Wheeler, who played with him in Minnesota. And then, um, I don't know if they overlapped with the Bruins, but they played together in the Olympics and all this stuff, and... He was talking about how Phil doesn't like the taste of water, so he doesn't drink it. He only drinks the sweet Gatorade stuff. And, like, when they went to the Olympic Village, did you see this? Like, he, uh, all the guys would bring, like, their protein shakes and power bars and all this stuff. You're allowed to bring certain things over. 
And all Kessel brought was just bags and bags of candy, like all his favorite candy. And it's like Wheeler would come back to the uh, hotel room after, you know, a night out or whatever. And Kessel's just got a stack of candy wrappers next to his bed, like as high as the bed. He just brought all his favorite candies to the Olympics. So, yeah, he's just such a character, such a likable, funny guy. And, yeah, he's produced. So I, he's in my Hall of Fame for sure. I don't want to correct you, but Phil never played for Minnesota. So I don't know. What do you- no, no, no. College. College, oh, sorry. The, the Golden Gophers. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, good for you. He played one year with Wheeler at the Gophers? I think uh, Phil I only got know. one year of college in. But he must have. But he, What a college team were those two guys on. But yeah, Phil, it, it's fun. He's, you know the thing he gets a bad rap about is, yeah, not working out, the terrible diet, rightfully so. Like you said, he got a terrible diet. People don't talk about the positives. Like you just said, his, his consistency... It's his greatest asset. You know what you're going to get. There's no unknown with Phil Kessel. And GMs love that. Coaches love that. Everybody loves that about him. It's like, okay, we know he's not going to go in and set the squat record and throw 600 pounds on the rack. We know he's not going to be running after games. What we do know is he's got a laser of a shot, and he's got world-class A-plus hockey sense, and he can find the open spot, and he'll put pucks in the net. I don't care who he's playing with. And, and he does it consistently. And I think that's such an underrated talent that he has. You look at it, there's, there's better goal scorers in the league. Galchenyuk's probably a better goal scorer than he is. Can't do it consistently. Not a chance. So good for Phil. <clears throat> Everybody always see we're linked forever because he attacked me that one game when I asked him to fight and he started aggressively. So I think that might have been his only suspension. I don't think he's ever been suspended other than when he came after me. Unprovoked, I might add. But aside from that, it was funny after that whole incident. I don't know if it was that game or the next game because we played Toronto quite a bit when um, I was with Buffalo. Gosh, it might have been that night. So I got kicked out of the game, obviously. Phil got kicked out of the game. A lot of guys got kicked out in that scrum. Like our whole line, Ryan Miller, we went back to the room. We were chopping it up. Everybody was laughing. We were watching the replays. I was just in my mind like, how can I get suspended with this? Because I know Shanny had it in for me. I knew he wanted to ding me up. And I'm just like going through my head like, what did I do? What did I do watching the replays? And I thought I was in the clear. I get a call from Shanny after the game, right, right away after the game. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get suspended. And he starts listing off the suspensions. He's like, we're giving Phil three. We're giving Clarkson 10, and you're not getting anything. I was like, ah, suck it. But he goes, I looked, and I wanted to suspend you. I want to suspend you, but I can't because you didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, what? And Because he, he literally said, I want to suspend you, but I can't. And then lo and behold, that was the – that was the year I buried Louis Erickson center ice. And it was, it was, in my eyes, clean hit, but then he dinged me up for seven. I'm like, you prick, Shanahan. So he had it in for me the whole year. But I, I distinctly remember right after the game getting a call from Shanahan. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting suspended this fast. It must be a big one. And he says, Phil's getting three, Clarkson's getting 10. You're not getting any. But stay on your toes all season because I, I want to suspend you right now. I'm looking and I can't find anything. And I was like, oh, Shanny, you prick. Like, he's just like, that's... he's flipping through the rule book, like desperate for anything oh, he yeah. can get you for. It's you like, it, I, I, 
I wish I would have recorded, you know, hindsight. It's like, put it on speaker, let everybody else listen to it. But he literally said, I want to suspend you, but I can't. So, like, you better be on your best behavior this year. So that affected me a little bit throughout the season. But I remember running into Phil after that in the lock because this was after the call, after everything. Or might have might have been the next game. And I'm like, because the, the way Toronto's locker rooms work, it's all one big hallway, and it's separated by, like, a curtain, a partition. But to get to the, the Leafs, to get to their family or something, they have to walk by our locker room. And so Phil must have had someone there. And he came walking by our room. And I ran into him and I'm like, oh gosh, uncomfortable, crazy uncomfortable. And he's a good foot, foot shorter than I am. And so I go over there and you know me, I'm just not a care in the world. Happy go lucky. I grab him by the neck and kind of start shaking. I'm like, oh, I almost got you, Phil. You know, we're all good, right? And he's so, I don't know if he's pissed or uncomfortable or scared or whatever, but he just kind of giggled and he goes, ah, okay, yeah, sounds good. And just walked away. I was like, oh, he's mad at me. He's still mad. So, and that was it. That was our only interaction since then. So, first of all, there was a great Kessel laugh. Mm. Um, did he, you, do you think by that point he had already gotten the call from Shanahan? Did he know he was suspended? Well, I had heard through the grapevine, well, he got suspended through, for the rest of the preseason. So, he was happy. He didn't have to play any more preseason games. So what I'd heard was Shanny called him. They gave him three games the rest of the preseason. So he was all jacked up. And he's like, fantastic. I didn't do anything. I slashed John in the legs, and I got another run. preseason off. Jackpot. So he was happy. The big one was Clarkson. Yeah. A lot of people said, rightfully so, that I ruined his tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs because he tried to do too much. He jumped off the bench, joined the fracas, didn't do anything, comes skating right up to me as fast as he can. People are probably tired of this story, but comes right to my face. I'm like, we're going to let's fight. Stops on a dime right in front of me. goes, Johnny, what are you doing? I'm like, David, why are you out here? Are we fighting? What's going on? And then that was it. Didn't do anything. Didn't grab anybody. Didn't push anybody. Didn't do anything other than skate as fast as he can. Got in my face and said, what are you doing, John? I'm like, no, nothing. What are you doing out here? <laughs> so, but Phil Castle. Is he a Hall of Famer in my eyes? He has Olympic success. Two-time. Did he win a silver in Vancouver? Was he on that team? I think yep. he was. Yep. Three-time All-Star. I think he was an MVP one of those All-Star games, wasn't he? No, that was just you, John. That was me. I did get that in 2016. You know what? They changed the way All-Star teams work because of Phil Kessel. Because of that draft, everybody colluded and said, <laughs> yeah. don't draft Phil. So he's sitting yeah. there. That was so funny. <laughs> His fat face in the draft room. <laughs> and he got that car and everybody was just loving it because they're just giving it to Phil. But <sighs> I think he's a Hall of Famer. I do. I do. So you know what else he's a Hall of Famer at, Tim? He was in DoorDash. That guy loves his food. He destroys food on the road at home. And you think Phil's going to want to jump in the car and go to go to the grocery store and make his own food? You think he's doing that? Honestly, if if you had to say which player in the NHL uses DoorDash the most, it has to be Kessel, right? Who, he's who top, else would top do three. it? Yeah. Oh, you figure oh, everybody's such in shape now. But yeah. you can get good food from DoorDash, but they all have the nutritionists and stuff and they get their food delivered. The league's changed, honestly. I would have definitely loved DoorDash when I was playing cuz I hate the worst part about being on the road 
you know, and, and a lot of people travel for work now is getting to the hotel and not knowing where to go. It's like, where do I go? Who do I trust? Where's a good deal? That's the great thing about DoorDash. You go on, you can check out the menus of all these places and it's boom, delivered to your door. So all that being said, use DoorDash, everybody. Tim uses them. I use them. Phil Kessel probably floats their whole budget for a good quarter of the year. The guy uses it so much. And if he were to use our promo code, he would save a little bit of money. You can save money. Use our promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada. GlovesDDUS if you're in the U.S. of A. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. I say it every show. It's a good company. They're the best at what they do. So use DoorDash on your phone, your app, on your computer, anywhere you have internet. Fire up DoorDash. Use our promo codes. Get some money. Get some food. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. All right, Tim. What's not a beautiful thing in the NHL right now is how bad the Western Conference is. You came up with these stats. I was astonished. Share this. Share these remarkable stats with our listeners. Yeah, a little bit of research, a little bit of digging and prep for the show, and realized. I mean, we talked a lot, a lot about this. How the 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 Eastern Conference is wide open. There are a lot of teams, a lot of competitive teams, a lot of potential cup contenders in both their, those those divisions. And in the West, it's kind of like Calgary, Colorado. Maybe a team like like Vegas puts it all together, but this maybe at the most three or four teams that you could say could have a serious chance of winning. It's not the case in the East, and so looking at how the two conferences have performed against each other, they played each other forty one games. I think this is not including any of last night's games. I did this yesterday, but forty one games played. The East has a record of twenty nine eight and four. Twenty nine eight and four. This all comes with a caveat, though. I think the difference is that the the West has a lot of bottom-dwelling, bad, bad, bad teams. And so the East versus the Vancouver Canucks are 5-0. and The East versus the Coyotes are 4-1. and The East versus the Ducks are 5-0. and And so that's, that's 14 of the wins right there. Does that hurt the argument at all, or do you still think the division or the conferences are that lopsided? Well, you got to take them. You got to take it as a whole, right? You, you can't just pick and choose the games you want to you got to take it out as a whole but when you look at when you look at the eastern conference the metropolitan the atlantic they're great top to bottom they're great teams like i'm looking at the atlantic montreal's their worst team montreal's a good team they have some legit talent on their team i look at the metropolitan metropolitan who's the worst team the islanders they can beat any team in the nhl at any given night the blue jackets they got some talent on that team when you go to the West, it's Arizona, it's Vancouver, it's Anaheim, it's San Jose, it's Nashville, it's Minnesota, it's Seattle, it's L.A. Like, there are bad teams in this division, top to bottom. That's not even including Chicago. They're just – it's funny how it's cyclical. It works. When I played in the NHL, the West was so strong. It was incredibly strong. All three California teams were – constantly in the running for Stanley Cups. It, it's just shifted completely out east right now. All the strength is out east. Carolina, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia is playing well. The Rangers are in sixth place in the Metro. And in my eyes, they're, well, them and Carolina are the best teams in the east. So, yeah, the strength is out east. And even the teams that have potential, the teams that are rebuilding, the teams that are going to be there in five years, they're in the east. It's Detroit. It's Buffalo. It's Ottawa. It's, it's those teams that just have all those young guys. The Rangers, I guess you could put in that boat too. But yeah, there's nothing out West. Even the teams that are bad in the West don't have anything to look forward to. San Jose, 
Vancouver, maybe Anaheim, maybe they have to, they have to really do well. And Pat Verbeek's done good in Anaheim, but he really needs to shop Klingberg really well and shop some of his other guys and get some assets for them because they, I could see Anaheim having potential, but like Arizona, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Chicago, there's nothing to look forward to in those teams. Like they, there's no shining little toy in the cupboard that you're going to dust off and like, oh, here it is. All those other teams have like such a great future ahead of them. Seattle, their first overall pick, Shane Wright. It's, I don't want to say he's playing like garbage, but he is struggling so far this season. He's got one assist in six games. Now he's a healthy scratch. You know, reports are they're going to send him back to the OHL. That's not what you want from Shane Wright, who was the consensus number one overall pick for months and months and months. And everybody knows his little draft day fiasco, and he stared down the Montreal Canadiens draft table, and he's, oh, I'm going to make everybody rue the day they didn't pick me. It's like, bud, maybe they were onto something. You're struggling, struggling. You're playing on the third line, you can't even get any offense going playing against other third lines around the NHL. So, mind you, like he's only played six games, so we'll see how it pans out. But who, who in the West, Tim, has the brightest future in five years from now? What, what – who who has prospects on like LA? Is that the team who has the best prospects pool? I don't I don't see any other teams out west that have young guys in the system where I'm like, oh, they're gonna be good. They're gonna be scary good. Arizona? No, it's not it's not the coyotes. Is there anybody that jumps out at you? Because I don't see anybody. Well, I think Colorado will still be an elite team five years from now. I'm talking about the the bottom dwelling teams who have been bad for a little bit. Yes, I think Colorado is going to be there. I think Calgary is going to be there. Like in five years, all of these cellar dwelling teams, I don't see a way out for them in five years. Whereas in the East, I see a way out for Montreal, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, Columbus, New Jersey, Philly. I, I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel for those teams. And I, I don't see it for any teams in the West at all. I don't know. You know what? I'm just looking at uh, cap friendly now for the Sharks. In five years, they're still going to have Carlson's contract will just be ending. They're going to have Hurdle still locked up, and they're going to have Couture. <laughs> oh man, they got Vlasic for four. <laughs> I I think the Ducks among those teams is is the one in that group that will be better, and I would like to believe the Canucks will be better too. But, yeah, no one really seems to match what Ottawa and Buffalo and Detroit are doing in the West. I will say this, San Jose Sharks, who's their point leader this year? Eric Carlson. Three goals, three assists. I said he was going to have a bounce back here. Brent, Brent Burns was affecting his game. Man, they, they're, they, they cannot score this year. I'm looking at their whole team stats. He's got six. They played nine games. He's their leading scorer. Nico Sturm is next with four. It, it, oof, it's bad. Like, we're, where the heck? Timo Meyer only has two points. He's going to be a free agent after this year. Is he not? You, you got his, uh, the team up there? Uh, woof. Where's Thomas Hurdle? He's only got four. He's dash seven. Holy guacamole. The Sharks are struggling. Mark Edward Vlasic, though, he's got zero points. <laughs> he's played nine games. Yeah, Myers on his contract season. He is 26. He's making $6 million. Going to be an RFA. Um, he's got two he's assists. He's a good player. Yeah. Again, it's it's so early. I'm trying not to overreact to this stuff, you know. They've already played nine games. So the sample size is there. They are not a good team. They will be in the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard. 
without a doubt. They're, they will be there. All right, what else are we talking about, Tim, today? We got, we're got we jumping around a little bit. I love it. What are we doing next? I want to just uh, bring up a, a quick DM my God. I want to spend a lot of time on it because we have talked a lot about the Canucks, but it, it, it did kind of interest me. This is a listener, Brad, who messaged us last night, said, listening to one of the recent pods, why do people still view Besser as a sniper? He's never hit 30, slow releases, along with always missing the net, doesn't generate much on his own. Why are people going so easy on him? He doesn't get the criticism that he deserves. And I was thinking about it, looking at his numbers. I think he's got a point, Brad. And, and we talk about him. We assume he's like, we talk about him like he's one of the, I wouldn't say premier, but like consistent top goal scorers in the league. When you think of him, he's a goal scorer. That's what he does. He's never had 30 goals. His career high is 29. His career high in points is 56. And I know, I know a lot of this has been shortened by injury, shortened by COVID, all that lockout. But, he has not been an elite player at any point in his career. And I think it's another one of those scenarios where his best, I think he had 28 his first year 29. in a short, 29 in 62 games, right? And so short season came onto the scene out of nowhere. A little bit of that Galchenyuk effect. Now he doesn't have that. He's been pretty solid. He's been 20 plus goals every year. He's played a full season. He's a good player. He's an NHLer. He's not a bust by any stretch of imagination, but. It does seem like that first impression just creates a lasting effect that follows them around, doesn't it? I, I think he's a – I disagree with Brad. I think Besser's a star in this league. He almost has a points per game. He's, he's got 260 and 330. Like He doesn't have the speed of other guys, but I feel like he's, he's a legit – maybe not a first-line guy, but definitely a second-line player. He is a, a great goal scorer. I think the, the knock on him is he's never played a full NHL season, 82-game schedule. You throw him out here for 82 games, he's going to get you 40 goals. I think if you can – you know, I, I don't know. He's got a, 121 goals in 330 games. That's a goal every th- less than three games. Not a bad so, clip. So. Since entering the league five years ago, he's 50th in goal scoring. Does that surprise you? Is that about what you expected? Well, or yeah, with the to- games missed. So he, he's missed quite a few games. He's His highest games in a season is 69. And you follow that up with 57-56. So I know one was a COVID season, but it doesn't surprise me just based on his games. But yeah, maybe you know he, he does get put up on a pedestal a little bit more because of his first two seasons. The there was a lot of promise in him. He comes out, he scores 29 his first season with the Canucks, and everybody was just, this guy's unbelievable. And he has the look. You know, he, he's got the total package. And I know people might laugh at that and say, oh, it doesn't matter what he looks like. It does. The guy's got the look. He's got the shot. He had some highlight reel goals. He's got a quick release. The expectations, the promises were there. The promise was there, excuse me. And maybe you just gloss over some of the down seasons and the injury concerns and this and that, but I don't know. Is he worth, what does he make, six and a half? Is he worth 6.65? I don't think so. I think I think he falls around the five range, but. I, no, I, I think it's about what he's probably worth. Okay, well, yeah. then what the hell are we talking about then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like yeah. him. I don't think it's a Galchenyuk effect at all. I think he's a consistent, solid player. I would take him on my team. I'd slot him in on the second line, and that's it. Bob's your uncle. The guy scores goals. What do you what? How much weight do you give to the idea of creating offense on their own by themselves? And is that something you can measure? Is that one of those things coaches just say? Like, how how do you approach something like that? How do you quantify uh, it, doesn't, it? It takes all kinds. Not, not everybody can you know dangle, create space, have the patience, and create offense. It, it takes a special kind of player. And Besser's not that guy. He's he's a trigger man. You think Brett Hall 
could go out and create offense on his own? No, he he couldn't. He, he d- didn't have the speed, didn't have the hands. What he did have was a hell of a shot. You think Stamkos creates offense on his own? Yes. No. Nah. Yes. I think I, Kucherov creates offense on his own. Stamkos has got a heck of a shot. Stammer's better than Besser. Don't don't get don't get me wrong. But I think creating offense, there's very few guys who can do that in the NHL. I think Pedersen can. Every team has a, maybe one, two guys. Well, I think you need trigger men. I read that comment, and then I was watching the Bruins, and I was just watching Pasternak with that idea in mind, and he totally creates offense. On oh, he own. creates offense. He's got sweet. He's got a sweet set of hands on him. Yeah. But on the opposite side, like De, I don't want to bring DeBrus, Taylor Hall. He's got the speed. There are certain things you can create offense with. Besser doesn't have any of them. He is a, a bona fide sniper, sharpshooter. That's all he does. Put him in a spot, give him the puck, and he'll score. His release isn't that quick. He's got a laser focused shot. So I don't know. You kind of play to your strengths. Brock Besser is not touting himself to be a playmaking, swift skating, talented player. What he says is, I'm going to give you 30 goals. If I play a full season, probably 35, 40, throw me on the power play. I'm going to score some goals. I think he's right in that Stamkos kind of genre. I know Stamkos is a, is a little better, but I would put them similar type players. Would you put him up with like a Tarasenko type player? No, I think Tarasenko can, he can pr- create offense. Tarasenko's a moose out there. When he gets the puck, he makes people just bounce off of them. And he, he's, no, I, I'm taking Tarasenko over Besser all day. I like yeah. Tarasenko. And mind you, he's older now. Besser's only 26. Tarasenko's got to be 33, 34. So, yeah. Hey, Brad, yeah. lay off him. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So, lay off him a little bit. I don't like it. All right. Injury out of Toronto. I just want to touch on this. I know we talk about Toronto a lot. Talk about their cap situation. Steve Dangle was on the show. What do they need? This is a tricky situation. Can you be happy that someone gets injured, that their career could potentially be over, that this is a long-lasting you know, issue for them? Jake Muzzin, another concussion. The guy's got a, a, a very long, but bad history with concussions. He had two, I believe, last year. Finally comes back, gets one this year. He collides with Clayton Keller in the Arizona game. Very innocuous, just nothing play where they both curl into each other. They didn't even know they were there. They bonk. Muzzin goes down, leaves the ice, gets put on the LTIR. Not a good look. Mitch Marner says, we just want to, you know, be focused on his career after hockey. The guy's got a family. You know, he shouldn't be focused on hockey right now. Not not what you want to hear out of a guy on the team when you're hoping this guy might come back and help your team win a Stanley Cup. But worst case scenario. He's done for the year. His career is done. I've seen it. Guys, they get hit one, two, three times. Their heads scrambled eggs. You have to take care of that. This opens up a whole Pandora box of questions. What do the Leafs do with this extra salary cap? Can they use this LTIR money to their benefit? It's almost $6 million now. And it just got me thinking, what is their most pressing need? I don't want to spend too much time on this. But if you're Kyle Dubas right now, Muzzin goes down. You get Lillard coming back. You get Ben coming back. They make around $2 million. You got a lot of money to spend. Do you use that money right now, or do you just kind of hold off? Wait till the trade deadline, see where the pressing needs are, or do you get someone right now? A Chitron, whose name has been surfacing all over the place every week. There's a new team jumping into the Chitron pool. What do you do? Chitron, only four years at 4.6, I think. It's a good contract. Um, man, well, the Leafs, 
what are they, three, four and three? Or yeah, and so they're starting fine. They're technically out of a spot, like we talked about, but they'll be fine. I, I think you've got to give a little bit of patience and see what the issues are and see what the needs arise as the season goes on, because you know there's some urgency you want. You can't blow it, but I think if I'm Dubis, I think I I know that this is my last go around if I don't prove something. And these are the, this is the opportunity they have. These are the chips I hold. I'm very careful on how I play them. That's not saying that you don't be aggressive when the, when you make a move, but as far as what move you make and when, I think you really got to be choosy and, and, and careful and make sure you do, whatever you do is the right thing. So I don't think there's a ton of urgency to fill that space yet until someone else goes down or they lose a few, few games in a row. And then you figure out, is it the defense? Is it secondary scoring? Is it a goaltender? You kind of figure out how the season goes and make your move from there. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you panic. I don't think you panic. You got to wait till Matt Murray comes back because you're going to have to reabsorb his salary cap, and then you move forward. But yeah, you know, tough one for Jake Muzzin. Really is. Guy was a, a terrific player when he was with LA. He did have some good seasons with Toronto. People kind of dog him a little bit, but he, I think he really played well in Toronto, and he's still there, mind you. I don't want to talk about him in the past past tense sense, but. Yeah, hopefully he can just, you know, get the head. That's a tough one. You don't want to be messing with the old head injury, but, yeah, the Leafs. All right, what are we doing now, Tim? BetUS or you want to do a couple more quick hits? Uh, let's talk about BetUS because I feel like I'm most excited for this bet that I've been so far this season. I feel Ooh. really good about my parlay tonight. There's three games. I bet on all three of them, and I have good reason for picking each of them, so I'm feeling really good. All right, well, what are you feeling? Let's hear it. Yeah, so three games tonight. The Islanders are hosting the Rangers. The Islanders at home. The Rangers played a whole barn burner last night. Crazy overtime shootout game against Colorado. I think there's going to be a little bit of fatigue. I think the Islanders, there's always a little bit of a rivalry, no matter where the teams are in the standing, just because of the the you know geography of it. And so I like the Islanders tonight at home. Um, the Blues are hosting the Oilers. I like the Blues tonight as well. Bennington's 3-0. They started another goalie. They're back up for game four. I forget his name, but he lost. Bennington's back in between the pipes tonight. I like him to keep that winning streak going. And then Tampa and Anaheim. Tampa's playing in Anaheim. I will take Tampa. Uh, they're 3-4. and four. I like them to even it out. I can't see them going down 3-5. Three to three and five. So, yeah, those are my three picks for the night. You're parlaying them all? All of them, yep. What's the odds if they all hit? You got to pull up. How much are you gonna? I I put down thirty. I win like one forty five. Oh like boy, oh boy. I'm going. I'm gonna do one hockey game. But there's that Anderson Silva fight happening. When is that? Is that on Friday or Saturday? When is it? I don't even know. I feel like those are usually Saturday. Yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about it now. It just popped up on my BetUS screen. I'm like, I'm betting that fight. So I'm taking Anderson Silva. I'm going to bet heavy on him. He's he's the favorite right now. So I'm going to take that. And then I'm going to go, see, I disagree with the Rangers. I feel like they're going to be just a little butthurt about losing in that overtime, the shootout. So they're going to come out firing. I'm taking the Rangers. You want a bounce back game. And the best thing after losing a shootout, after having that bad taste in your mouth, just get right back on the ice. Let's go. Let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll beat the doors off the Islanders, and we'll have that good mojo feeling because it it was a good game versus Colorado. I think they're going to be used to that pace. They're going to be flying. They're going to still have that energy. The Islanders, I saw something neat. The Rangers, they did it when I was there too. Every time they play the Islanders, they chant. They have the, a guy whistles a couple times, like whatever, and then they chant, Potvin sucks, Dennis Potvin huh. from the Islanders. They've been doing it for like 30 years. 
the Islanders made pot van socks and they're going to sell them at the next game for charity. It's kind of cool. I'm kind of in the little story, but all that aside, I'm taking the Rangers. I like them. I know Shesterkin's probably not going to play. They're going to get their back up in there, but they got to win. I'm taking the Oilers. I like to bet all three as well. I'll do the parlay, but I'm going to go the Rangers, Oilers, and the Tampa Lightning. And I'm going to win a bunch of money, and it's going to be fantastic. And so you should do it too, everybody. Jump on BetUS. Don't even tell them we sent you. Just go there, bet some games. It's fun. Have some fun with Tim and I. And what do you get? If you sign up today, you get a 125% deposit bonus. That means if you deposit $1 million, they will give you an extra $125,000. That is not true. That is true. No, it's like up to 2000 So you can bet 2000 Oh, it's 2000. up to 2000 Okay. And they'll give you 2500 Is that right? Um, so, yeah. A lot of money. Still a lot of money. Bonus See, I money. thought, if, yeah, if you gave them a million, they'd give you a million point two five. That'd be nice. That would be nice. That'd be nice. But no, it's it's up to 2000 which is still a lot of money. So deposit 100 you get an extra $125 to play with. You can do everything. They got casino. They got sports betting. They got track betting. They got all. So check out BetUS. No promo code. Just go there. It's a good thing. All right, Tim. Finish with some quick hits here. What are we doing? Yeah, uh, speaking of the Canucks, Quinn Hughes is out week to week, which is a bummer, a blow to that team. Oh, yeah, they're um, going to really struggle. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, Patrick Laine returned from injury last night um, after missing some time, so he's back in the lineup. And With a then- stupid suit. I saw yeah. the suit he wore to the games. It's embarrassing. Maybe I'm not in the fashion world anymore, but my, oh, my. I don't know. I watch these basketball players walk into the game, too, and they're just wearing this ugly stuff. And I hope the hockey players don't start duplicating and emulating these guys because it's embarrassing. Get a suit, wear dress shoes, look like a pro going to the games. Line had this purple grimace-looking stupid ensemble. Ugh. Wear a suit. Have some respect for yourself. My goodness. All right. Stupid things. <laughs> honestly. Honestly. Leave the house looking like that. You think you're just waiting to get roasted. It's such a bad look. It's so ugly. Look it up. Patrick Line walking into the game. Now they may think it's a fashion show. Just freaking put on a suit and go to the game. Like get ready for the game. Staring at the mirror and looking at each other. Oh, I got wearing Gucci, uh, Balenciaga. It's like just how about watch game take Patrick Line? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, last couple of points here. I'm just going to move on. Jesper Bratt. I tweeted about him the other day. He's now, he had three points last night. He's tied for 12 points for the league league with Panarin, Pasta, and, and Nichushkin. He had 73 points last year. He's been productive. He's on the power play. He's playing right now with Heischer and Palat. Very good. Is he like a star in this league that no one's talking about? Like, do you buy into this at all? 12 points in, I think, seven games this year. He's very, very good. He's producing, and he's not really on anyone's radar. Yeah, definitely. Quite, uh, he must be. He's got 12 points. He's having a hot start. Good for him. Will it last? Uh, he had 73 last year, though. Yeah. Legit. What's, what's his contract? I don't even know. That's – man, what does he make? Let's go. New Jersey Devils. Jesper Bratt. He makes five and a half? Dang, who is this dude? I have no idea who and, and I know Jesper Brat. I know that, but boy, he's making a lot. He's been on the Devils his whole whole life. Last year he really last year was an outlier. He goes 35, 33, 32, 30, then he gets 73 last year. It just goes to show you that really shows it all depends on who you play with. 
you get a chance on the top line, you succeed, and you're off to the races. It changes this guy's trajectory for his whole life. He probably got a chance to play with Jack Hughes, Hershire, get get some talented line mates. All of a sudden, he goes from scoring seven goals to 26. Now he's next contract, he's going to make $8 million. Good for him. Good start. The Devils still stink, but good for him. I enjoy it. Who's not having a good season so far, Tim, on the, on the opposite side of the coin? We haven't talked about Columbus at all. They are not playing well. They are losing, losing, losing. I saw this stat come across my, my news feed. They're the only team without a power play goal this year. Ugh. And this is they played six games. Like, that that is tough. And poor Johnny Hockey. Do you feel bad for him? Is this, did he know that they were going to be this bad, do you think? Or is he this just... The writing was on the wall. Like, you, you can go to a team. He, yes, he had to have. Look at their roster. There was no one there before he got there, and there's no one there now. Like they, he plays with Boone Jenner. No offense, Boone Jenner. Guy's not a first line center. He's no Hampus Lindholm, or not Hampus Lindholm. Excuse me, Elias Lindholm. He's no Elias Lindholm. Patrick Line is really good. You can't fault him. He's a sniper. He would be in the same category as a Brock Besser. But Line has got a, little, a lot better of a shot. But, yeah, very similar type player. Not going to DQ out. Do you think Line can create offense, Tim? No. No. Well, he's a, he's a, he's we've a seen a couple big rushers from him, though, like end-to-end yeah, stuff. But, yeah, not two. consistently. The guy, I would say he's more raw talent than Besser. He's a sniper. But, yeah, Columbus sucks. They they do. They they need Their depth is not there. Their defense is usually their strength, and it's not great. That Eric Branson contract is just looking worse and worse by the day. I don't know. It's what you expected. Hey, uh, quick question. Remember um, DeBrinket went to Ottawa and everybody said, oh, he's going to score a million goals. It's going to be fantastic. How many goals does he have through six games of the season? Um, listen, I'm not a math scientist. I don't know all the answers to everything, but I would say so far in the year, he's got six points in six games. So One, one goal. What are we complaining about? He's a point-per-game player. Everybody, oh, he's a 40-goal guy last year. He's going to be fine. 41 the year before. He's going to get 40 again this year. No, he's not. Okay, if he scores eighteen goals and and he has eighty two points in the year, is that a is that a bad year for him? Did he fail? No. Do you think he's going to get eighty two points if he only scores fifteen goals? Well, so you, far you he's, he's got one goal, five assists? assists. I'm just saying, like this, he's not. He's producing. He's just not scoring, but he's producing. No. Everybody thought he was a goal. Spot. No, he's going to get forty goals. Oh, now. The, the argument's changed now. Okay. All right. I said there's no way he touches 40 goals. I, I think I said there's no way he gets 25 goals. He's on pace right now. One. Okay. Six times 10 gets me to 60. That's 10 goals. There's 22 games left. He's on pace for 13. Not good. Not good from a guy you bring in to score goals. who's gotten 40 goals. His last. And I like Alex to bring it. But you have to admit the Patrick Kane effect. You have to. It's right there. He's getting more minutes now in Ottawa than he ever did with Chicago, and he's got one stinking goal. But no, he's got five assists. Oh. He's a good hockey player. Man, you you liberals. Six never, points and six Never concede games. anything. It's crazy. It's right it's in front crazy. of your eyes. Still won't do it. Crazy. What a crazy thing to say. Because <laughs> that's what he went there for. He went there to be a playmaker, right? He went and there to Drew win was going to be the goal scorer. Yeah, that makes sense. Ugh, it's it's like 
The dumbest thing you can do is have an argument with an idiot. And I'm doing it right now. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of a sentence before we wrap up, tough hit. Norris might be out for the entire season, which is a bummer. They already – their goalie, Helberg, went down. No, not Helberg. Who's the other goalie? Uh, Matt Murray. Just, yeah. They just – yeah. They, they're a solid start to the season, but things are already starting to come apart. They can always just throw Debrinket out there. He'll put some pucks in the net. All right, everybody, that's enough. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to everybody on Friday. Uh, have a good have a good Wednesday, everybody. Anything else, Tim? No, thanks for listening. Yeah, I really I'm an appreciate idiot. it. All right. <laughs> We're going to cheer Tim up on Friday, I promise. All right, everybody, <laughs> cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.